Hello, my fellow music lovers. I'm Alison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. Thank you so much for being part of the show. I'd love for you to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or follow the show if you're listening. I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is YouTube sensation and songwriter, dancer, and violinist extraordinaire, Lindsay Sterling. We talk all about how she was able to successfully fuse her two passions of dancing and playing, how not to let heartbreak or a setback define you, the importance of sharing her past battle with anorexia, and the practices she implements to stay true to herself, her spirituality, and her inner light. And stay tuned after the interview for my sound advice. New music you need to know. It all starts now. I wanted to congratulate you because you just wrapped up like a 20 plus date tour US and Europe. And I saw the Lollapalooza footage. Thank you. Now, was this when you premiered your cover of Cashmere? It was. Ugh. Yeah, it was it was quite an epic just uh, experience. Like, I don't know. It's one of those moments that you're like, I will remember this forever. You know, it was really special. Because there was like 50,000 people there. Yeah, Was that your biggest crowd? It was. It was my biggest crowd. And I've played, you know, some big crowds like that before. Yes. Like not quite that big, but at festivals. But it was just so cool because... I was able to, for the first time, bring my whole show, everything that I dream of and um, have worked in. We do that on tours, but to bring it to a festival and get the chance to do it in front of like a crowd like that yes. in my favorite city in the world, it was just like, this is this is amazing. That's special. That's yeah, 50,000 people in Paris. In Paris, just doing the show of my dreams. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was amazing. When that happens, <laughs> are you sort of a little out of body like while you're on stage or is your performance require so being present, you know, like to reflect, but also do your show simultaneously, you know? You know, the best place to be, and it's not, it is kind of rare, I feel like for me that you find that perfect sweet spot of that flow, you know, yes. when you're, you're just so in it, you're so prepared, you're so mentally like ready for this moment that you can just like, almost like be fully in your like in your spirit and yeah. not in your mind. Yes. Um, and that was, you know, I had visualized that performance so much. And my whole team worked so hard for it. We were all so nervous. But once we stepped on stage, you could feel the energy of everyone being. And it was really, really powerful. We all walked off stage and we're, we were just glowing. It was, you know, it was magic. I will tell you from even just the video, and I wasn't there, but I watched the video, like you can actually feel it. That's oh. why I wanted to literally start off this conversation because I'm like, what is this like? And to know how long and how hard you have worked mm. and all of the obstacles and setbacks and detours. Right. To sort of have that moment of, it's a, I'm like chills, it's like a culmination. For sure. You know, like I want to just say, that's why I want to say congratulations well, because thank you. that's pretty remarkable. Thank you. That, that seemed like a magical moment. It was. And it's really cool when you can stop and realize the yeah. magical moment is happening as it's happening. Because sometimes, you know, you do get so worked up with all the effort and the work yes. and the thinking and making sure you're doing it right and worrying about the next thing. Or, you know, we, that happens all the time that we miss, I think, so many magical moments. Right. So when you catch one, it's like, ah, like I was present and I did everything it took to be prepared, but also to be mentally able to like enjoy all the the things I've worked for in this. That's the magic, actually. Yeah. That is the magic. That is. Actually being able to recognize 
and be mindful of this moment. Right. This is special. This milestone. I'm going to take it in and I'm going to feel gratitude. I'm going to feel the excitement. I'm just like, you feel everything. And it's it's really, I don't know. It's special when it happens. And it's, I think the more you start to recognize them, the more you, like, it's a practice, you know, the Mm -hmm. more you'll start to like see them. Yes. Yeah. You have been playing the violin since you were six. Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me what it, what was it that attracted you to this instrument in particular? You know, I, I got to give it up to my parents. They love classical music or and they were always playing it in our home when I was little. And um, they never even put the idea upon me. But because I was exposed to it so much, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play the violin, that one. You know, I'd like point it out. I want to play that, you know. Um, and so I like begged for lessons when I was six. So cool. And you're, and you're one of three girls like I am. Yes. So I feel like we have that connection. Yeah. What were they listening to? The same thing. Same. You yeah. all were into the classical music. I mean, not that we were into. I mean, we were into it because that's what they played. To it. You're exposed <laughs> not to like it. Yeah. We had the op- like they played the Beatles and classical, and that was, was pretty great. Pretty much it. Yeah. And when I was little, and so yeah, one of my sisters plays the trumpet. One played the cello. Um, and yeah, we all kind of took it's our a very lane. musical family. Yeah, that's it's- really awesome to be surrounded by that. But you also loved dance. Yes. It was like you had these two pillars, these two passions. Yes. When did they when did they come together? When I was 25. Wow. <laughs> so it took that long. Well, to be honest, I never danced. I loved dance because we also watched musicals, you know, the Gene Kelly and of like course. Ginger Rogers and Fred like I just died over those and loved them and so I wanted to be a dancer, I wanted to be a violinist, but my parents couldn't afford like either. They definitely yeah. couldn't afford both. You know, so my, they took me to a dance lesson and a violin lesson. And they were like, you get to pick which one you want. Yeah. You know, and I picked violin. And I was tried to find opportunities to dance. But when you're not taught, it's really hard to join the school dance team when, yes. you, you know, you get cut because you don't know how to dance. <laughs> um, so I tried and was like, you know, that's just something, you know, I'm, I'm a violinist. That's my thing. But when I started writing music, I started writing music that was very, like, grand and, like, very emotive. And I was like, you know what? The goal for me was always I wanted to perform. I wanted to put on a show. It was less about like, I want to put out an album. It was like, I just want to make enough stuff so I can get on stage and have a reason to be there. And um, and so I was like, well, if I want to be a performer, I got to learn how to physically look like I'm playing. Violin is very structured and you make a certain face when you play it. Mm -hmm. It's just not that appealing to watch a violinist. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I need to make an effort to really learn how to move. And that movement turned into, oh, I bet I could spin. Oh, I bet I could. How, like, how flexible? Wow, I'm actually pretty flexible. <laughs> I'm pretty flexible, actually. Wow, who knew? Yeah. Like, you know, it's so all these things that I just then started to really hone and stretch more and gain strength. And it turned into, I never would have imagined when I started that I'd be like able to, you know, do this while now spinning upside down on a hoop. And, oh my God. you know, just like I've, I've really taken it to a pretty nth degree that I never thought would have been possible. You have. But, you know, it just started with literally, I want to just be able to move and smile. <laughs> wow. And, and you are adept. I mean, you are Cirque du Soleil level. I mean, it's really impressive. Well, thank you. From I've... a physical perspective, it's very impressive. It's not like, thank oh, you, you like da- – like, here's the thing. You don't just, like, dance around on stage. Like, how, like, pop stars do. Like, you know, what you are doing is extremely difficult and athletic. 
Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you have to really, you'd be, you had to really work at that and train at that. Oh, it's for pretty sure. intense. Yeah. I mean, to before going on tour, I do have to do like, you know, I have to get in pretty darn good yeah. shape to be able to do that, you know, five how nights do, a week. I was going to ask you, like, how, what do you need to do to get in shape for tour and prepare? You know, it's funny. It's everything from like literally work, making sure my hands are strong enough mm-hmm. for like one, the hoop to like oh, lift yeah. myself up and it's hold grip, myself. It's grip strength too. Grip strength. Yeah. Um, but also even things like my pinky, it gets yeah. tired after playing for, you know, <laughs> that Wild. hard. For, so it's like everything, but also just a ton of cardio. I do, is that what it is? I do a lot of cardio because, you know, it's it's an hour and a half show. And yeah, you, you know, have that stamina. You have to have stamina and you have to do it five nights a week. And you can't be winded. And I mean, right. I, I mean, the, thank the, heavens I'm not singing. <laughs> I was gonna say that would be like impossible. I feel yeah, like. we don't we don't do that. I always joke that I'm glad there's not a microphone on. Like there are pickups, there are electric violins. Because if there's a mic, you just be like, <gasps> <laughs> like the breathing. I'm but uh, I just yeah. saw I just saw Haley Williams at the Paramore tour, <gasps> and have you seen her recently? I mean, she's always been incredible, but I will tell you oh. her most recent tour. It's so physical. She's such an incredible dancer, and to sing like that simultaneously with that level of dance. Wow! I was in awe. I was in awe of her. She's one of my favorites. Isn't she amazing? She's incredible. I've seen her live twice. Um, not this most recent tour, but. I love her. Same. But you're a singer. I mean, I've heard you sing. You're a really talented singer, but you, is that something you don't aspire to do or incorporate more? You know, I once upon a time was like, maybe I'll sing more, you know, but yeah, I've realized I much more enjoy having singers be on my album. Right. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason on my Christmas albums, I was fine singing because I feel like Christmas music is a different animal. It it's, is. You know, you can be kind of cheeky and, but the kind of music that I want to play when I'm writing, like, my little soul, like, yeah. you know, my soul. Like, I want someone like Amy Lee or Ugh, Haley Williams best. or, you know, Lizzie Hale. Lizzie Hale. Like, those are the kind of voices. Like, I don't want to write my music down in order to fit my voice. Mm-hmm. You know I what I mean? I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And, like, I Well, you are sing. a voice. You are your own voice. I mean, right. you're violin. So it's just adding another wonderful voice. Yes, yeah. And I just love working with powerful female artists. Like I've I've gotten to work with some amazing like male artists as well. But something about like combining my violin with the female voice gets me so excited. These powerhouse women, you know, that just inspire me. And so there's yeah, I would much rather bring them on to sing my songs. I hear that. Then, you know, my voice is fine. You, I hear what you're saying. You do have a great voice, but yes, having Lizzie Hale or Amy Lee, I mean, these are great. Yes. They're the best at their They're craft. The best. They, yeah. They've put the amount of time into their voice that I've put into my violin yeah. where like, you know, my voice, I, I'm like, oh yeah, <clears throat> I got to sing. You know, it's like, <laughs> let's quickly like drink some water and go in. It, I don't know what to do, you know? So. <laughs> what's so rock and roll about you and you've collaborated with these rock stars. What's so rock and roll about you is that the violin is, is, is a very, traditionally not a rock and roll instrument, but Instead of conforming to the traditional, conventional part of violin, you've made it fit you. Mm. And that's what's really cool. And that's sort of what I think resonates with me mm. is that you have this rock and roll spirit. It's a very, it's, you're a pioneer. You're an innovator. And you're doing something with an instrument that's been around forever in a way that's never even been imagined before. So I think that is so cool. You know, whether it's covering Led Zeppelin, you know, like reimagining an yeah. incredible song. First of all, has the do you know anything? Have the band has the band heard your version or anything like that? You no, know, I don't know. And I even reached out to like their team and yeah. was like, if they haven't heard it, I would love to 
you know, send a camera and do a react. Like, what yes. I was like, I would die to see them react to it. And then <laughs> totally. I would react to their react. And I was yes. like, it would be internet gold. And that so would be amazing. I'm still hoping that they haven't seen it and that they'll get back to me. But, you know, pending. <laughs> Maybe I can help with that. I feel like because I want to see this, too. So I'm like, let's think okay, about let's, this. Yeah, let's yeah. put our heads together. <laughs> Your journey has been incredible, and, and I'm sure when you talk about America's Got Talent, it's probably a little bit bittersweet. And you did you did make headway on the show, but there was a, a point in the show where you were stopped, and you know you heard things like "You'll never fill a venue," or yes. "You're good but not great," or "It's unremarkable," or like "You're not marketable," or whatever it was. Yeah. First of all, I want to know, like at that time, how did you handle such a personal? rejection at a young age and to be able to rise above it with such grace and power because you really like living well is the best revenge. Right. I feel like you really rose above that with strength. Thank you. And you know, it's funny. I love talking about this story now. Okay. But when it happened, I remember being so embarrassed. Like I can't even describe the humiliation Mm -hmm. because knowing that like literally everybody I knew was tuned in and watched. Yeah. And I I was like, I don't want to go back to college. Like, I don't want to go back to my school. I can't face people again. I was so embarrassed because the critique was pretty cruel. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, you know, they used words like you sounded like rats being strangled, you know, just like beyond what needed to be said. And so I was so embarrassed. And my, honestly, I think that was my first true heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Like my heart was broken. And um, just, so I can't even describe the amount of humiliation, but I... In life, you have to get up over and over and over again. Like, we are always going to face these moments where you get pushed down and someone's going to tell you that you're not enough, whether it's a breakup and a heartbreak and you make and you write the story that I wasn't enough for that person or someone tells you your passion or your talent isn't good enough. Like, we're going to have to face that over and over and over again. So you might as well learn. I, I Someone once called it falling up. I love you that. know, yeah. like you could you're going to fall down, but you get the choice to like fall upwards because you can take it and you can learn from it and you can let it teach you something and grow. And I'm not sure what gave me the wisdom at that point to do that. But since then, looking back on that experience, many times I've thought the same things and learned the same lesson and taken from that experience, the past self of me. But I really think that it comes down to the fact that we have these conflicting voices. There's our head, there's our body, there's our spirit. And learning to not listen to your head so much, I think, is the best thing that ever happened to me. And luckily, I'm pretty good at listening to my spirit because the head was like, that was embarrassing. That was humiliating. We never want to do that again. I'm never getting on a stage again. But then once that settled down and a little bit of time passed and I was really sad, the the spirit started to get a little bit louder and be like, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. And the biggest thing I learned that I could share with someone out there is that you can never let one moment of your life define your existence and how good you are or how, you know, who you are. Because, you know, who knows? It could have been that I had a bad night, you know? And so they said those things about me because to be honest, looking back at the video, I wasn't very good yet. Like, it's not like they were wrong. And, but there could have been a million reasons. It could have just been a bad performance. I was so nervous. But also it could have been that I was new with this idea of dancing and playing and I actually wasn't good enough yet. And so I think that that was the biggest thing. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe I wasn't good enough yet. 
yet. Yet. Right. Or maybe I wasn't good enough that night, but no one moment should ever, or no one person's opinion should ever define what you are forever. No, it just wasn't great that night or at that time. And I worked really, really hard and honed my craft and I earned my stripes. So the next time I stepped on the America's Got Talent stage as a guest performer, I had earned the right to be there. Where back then I was new at it. I really hadn't earned my place yet. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. You needed that to overcome it, to up your Absolutely. game. And to become even more dedicated. Yeah, to like really be like, I need to work harder. Mm -hmm. I need to, like, this is very hard and I need to get better. And, you know, and now, like I said, when I've had moments where I've fallen down in the, you know, in the last decade, it's happened so many times in many different avenues of my life. And just looking back on that experience, I think that was the first time I really picked myself up and said, I'm going to do it I, still. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to, you know, and it started with, I'm going to prove them wrong. And then that, you know, that can only last so long. It had to turn into like, I love myself enough From to within. Do this. Yeah. Intrinsic. Yeah. Yes. I'm doing this for me, not for Piers Morgan. Right. You know, like <laughs> right, who, who right. cares about him? Like, screw him. Yeah. Um, Your motivation has to come from within. Has, yeah, yeah. It has to be deeper than just like prove them wrong. Yeah. That, that'll only take you so far. Well, I'm sure it helped that you started to put out your own music and yeah. then you learned that YouTube was a platform. Yeah. And you were seeing that what you were doing was really resonating with not just a couple of people. I mean, a lot of people, you know what I mean? So I'm sure that was sort of like, hey, I am doing something right yeah, here. Yeah. What was that process like for you watching your videos become so viral and so adored and really mm -hmm. resonating with so many people? I mean, it was, it was wild, you know, especially because that wasn't even like right after America's Got Talent. It was like, there was some time between then where I was playing at open mic nights and yeah. I was, you know, driving to random shows and like even sometimes sleeping in my car yeah. or spending the night in the airport because I didn't, you know, I was like, I need to save this money. I don't have money. You know, so I was really putting in the time and trying different things. And, you know, I handed out, you know, flyers in Vegas to like talent agencies. Like I, I tried a lot of things. And then when I discovered this YouTube platform, it was all the more exciting and freeing because I had felt so like confined and like, there's no way out of this. I can't figure it out. And it was almost at the end of my rope of like how long I could kind of face. I think the biggest thing for me was the loneliness of being a solo artist hitting the world by myself, you know, and, and I went as long as I could. And then I found YouTube. And when it started to resonate with people, it was like, okay, my spirit wasn't lying to me. Yes. There was something more, you know, and it was like, it was quite validating to have that feeling because sometimes you do go down a road and there's no shame in being like, this isn't for me anymore. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if your spirit says, you know, or if your gut, whatever you want to call it, if your gut's like, you know what, it's time to close that door and go down another lane. Like, you know, that's okay. But if you go against what your gut is telling you, that's when I think it. And so having that validation of like, oh, my gut is true. It knew. And you know, anyways, and here it is. And what is also here is 4 billion YouTube views, 4 billion with a B, also over 27 million followers across socials. I mean, what are these numbers? Like, what, what tell me when you hear these numbers, are you like, yes, of course, I have put in all of that work? Or are you like, wow, or both? Like, what is happening for you with these? No these numbers are, are unique. They're well, it's hard to it's hard to understand them. You yes. know what I mean? They're numbers you you see. And also I think we get so desensitized to numbers, especially when you're in the industry, because you see just like everybody has millions. It's like of, metrics. Yeah, yeah. It's like everybody's got 27 million followers. Like it just feels like that. But 
the funny thing is, and I was just saying this to a friend the other day who was like, oh my gosh, my niece, I just found out, was a huge fan. And I was like, the weird thing is, is I do not ever walk through life at the airport or like the street or anything ever thinking that anyone might know who I am. I always feel like I'm this little niche artist that just does my thing. And unless I'm on stage where people have paid to come see me and it makes sense in that venue that they're here to see my show, unless I'm there, I just never would like, I'm always like, oh, you know who I am? Well, thank you. Like, oh. I don't know. It's kind of a funny thing. And I I feel like I've dissociated myself from it. And this isn't me trying to be like super humble. I feel like it's me just, I think that's how I've coped with being in the industry. And I've always wanted to stay very just, I don't know. I've always wanted to just stay normal. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's sometimes you can easily get swept away. And I felt that like that pull sometimes. And I've always just wanted to kind of be the girl next door, like do my own thing. And I think that's how I detach and desensitize. Well, you are it. the way you are though, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like innately, you know, you were raised with a loving, supportive family and you are a very grounded person and you're spiritual. So I feel like that's also on you that you stay, you are humble and you're grounded. Well, I, you know, I try to be. Yeah. Like, you just, I mean, yeah, it's just interesting that like separation of like, oh yeah, those are big numbers, billions of views and millions of people. And yet I just am like, surprised if anyone ever knows who I am and stops me. You've said that you believe that you've become so successful because you've remained true to yourself. How did you do that? Like, how did you always remain true to yourself? Were there moments where you were like, maybe this is weird or like, maybe this doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. How did you continue with obstacles and adversity to stay true to yourself? That's a great question. And I think in some ways I've been very successful at staying true to myself. And then other times you realize you pushed the boundary or that you didn't draw the boundary quite correctly. Mm-hmm. And you have to take a step back and say, that maybe wasn't the best choice. Maybe that w- that one wasn't as true to me as I I thought it was when I made that choice. But maybe I maybe I did that for the wrong reason. And I right. think that's how I've stayed true to myself is recognizing the times when you're like, shoot, that was not authentic. I don't actually think that I like how that choice worked out. You know, like I think being honest with yourself and realizing that you're going to mess up sometimes in that effort to be true to yourself, whether you're, you know, no matter what you're doing, you know, and um, and I think I think that's how it's allowed me to stay. And also I was raised with pretty strong values. And as I've, you know, my life has changed so much. you know, it's been an interesting process to pick and choose as now I'm an adult, like what things that I was raised with, I still believe in and to really challenge them and question them um, so that they don't just all of a sudden crumble, like yes. so that they're actually strong. And some of the things I've let go of and realized I don't feel that way anymore. And others I've held to like they're, you know, they're my gold. They're my they're my foundation. Yeah, that's interesting. As we age and evolve, it's important to kind of have check-ins with ourselves, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And I think that's how we become our most authentic selves, to have those check-ins where you're not going through autopilot. Right. Because I think that if you're going, I've caught myself in autopilot and then all of a sudden you're like, do I even agree with that anymore? Do I even right. like that version of what I've decided I am? You know, because I haven't checked in with her in so long, is she still me, yeah. you know? So I think that's the only way. And that only happens by making mistakes. You're absolutely right, because then when you make these, first of all, when you're brave enough to make choices in general, making choices, strong choices, standing behind them, and then assessing, like, was that a good choice? Okay, 
Not so much. I right. will I will use that wisdom from that learned example and make a different choice in the future. It's all you can right. do, right? Well, and sometimes it comes from your own, you know, amazing self-awareness. Other yeah. times it comes because other people lash out about something you've done. And that, again, is an opportunity to be like, I'm either going to like dig my heels in and be like, you know, you guys are all wrong and they don't know me. Or you can also sit back and say, maybe there is something to this, but I'm going to look into it and I'm going to decide. I'm going to decide if what they're saying is valid or if what they're saying is not. And I've had moments where it's like, you know, I don't agree with what the public has decided this thing meant. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand my purpose in it. You know, they misread. And your perspective. My perspective. And other times it's like, oh, shoot, that was not very sensitive or that was not very, like, you know, I made a mistake or that wasn't very me. And so I don't know. It's just... Taking all the information, even if you weren't self-aware to notice yourself. Yes. You know. And just sort of navigating just through navigating. it. And, and learning as much as you can. Yeah. We're all just learning. We're all doing yeah. our best. We're all learning one day at a time. Right? Which is why I cancel well, I can't use cancel culture. Yeah. Um hurts me so bad when you see it happening to anyone because you just are like, we're all people. Yes. We're all learning. Yes. You know, it's hard to watch, especially when it's, you know. Like, it's happened to everyone. Of course. And, you know, and when it's happened to you, you know your intention and you know that it was definitely not meant to be that way. Anyway, so. Of course. You know, I I wish our world was a little more empathetic and a little more like, you know what, let's give a little bit of grace because I'm not in their shoes. You know, I think we're so quick to judge these days. You're absolutely right. Empathy and compassion are key. It's yeah. like if we all just took a second and looked outside of our myopic perspective and kind of put ourselves in someone else's shoes, you know, maybe they didn't mean it a certain way or, you know, it's right. it's tough. It's tough. I think that we all should just be like, we're all learning. And as we're long as learning. we can learn, assess, and adjust, that's yes. really the key. And adjust. Yeah. And, you know, I think that sometimes also we're so ready to pull someone down almost to make ourselves feel okay mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, I knew they couldn't be that good. I knew that she couldn't stand for all those things and be successful. And, you know, and I'm not talking about myself. I'm just in things I've seen in other people. It's like the world is so quick to jump on them and say, I knew she couldn't be that great. I think it's also because we live in a world where everyone's projected as perfect, right? Everyone's Instagram feed or whatever. It's only the highlights, right? right? It's only the filtered highlights. So I think when people hear something that's, you know, it's like a, in the armor, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, wait, is that sort of refreshing that this person right. is like a person? You exactly. Know? So. And it makes me feel okay that I'm not great. So like, yeah, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon and, you know, and it validates the fact that I'm not perfect. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we're living in a kind of an, a weird place. We are. I prefer to live in real life, you know, yeah. in real life. You wrote a book. You wrote a book, The Only Pirate at the Party, which anyone who writes a book, I'm just, I know how difficult it is and how long it takes. Have you and written a book? I, it's my number one goal. Oh, I just started do it. writing notes down at I this point. I need to read it once you do. So please let oh, me know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So you collaborated with your sister on this. I did. It's such a special experience. It was so much fun to like, she's my favorite person on the planet. Oh, um, so great. But also, it was incredibly healing for us in our relationship because um, we had been through a rocky time when my mental health affected our relationship 
massively. And um, I was anorexic when we were roommates in college and I pushed everyone away Mm -hmm. and my life went super dark and I didn't really, you know, you never realize what the choices you're making do to other people. And I felt so in my own world, I was, you know, and I don't know how to describe it. It's just, I had no idea that it could possibly be hurting her. I just thought like, I'm making my own choices. I'm doing this. This is my life. Yes. And um, anyways, in hindsight, it really severed our relationship and it took years to repair and work to like earn our our friendship and our love back. And, you know, we were doing really well when we started the book, but it was so healing to be able to start from the beginning of our childhood and talk through our lives together and our memories of, you know, and then up through high school and college and and then to talk through and write about my eating disorder. And um, so it was an incredibly bonding and healing experience for me and my sister. That's beautiful. And I think what's really brave about you, you've been very vocal about battles that you have faced and and being anorexic. In fact, Shatter Me, that song is also with, with Lizzie Hale. That mm-hmm. song is also talks about yes. your struggles, anorexia. Yeah. How did you have the strength to talk about it? Um, and how has that helped you heal? You know, I felt like I had to talk about mm-hmm. it because when I was going through it, I felt so alone. And I, I couldn't believe that I was a crazy person. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I, I had studied, I had taken abnormal psych classes in college. I was actually studying to be a therapist. Like, and so I'm just sitting here being like, I'm one of the crazies in this world. Like, and I don't know, it just, it, mental health is so talked about now, but it wasn't like, I, wasn't. I thought that that kind of stuff was for literally like the insane people. And so to then realize I was trapped in my own mind and I was a victim of it. After coming out the other side, I was like, I have to talk about this. I have to share with people that they're not alone in these feelings. And also that people, like it took me so long to even realize that I was anorexic. I was like, I want to help people realize that if they're feeling these things, that they there's hope, first of all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I think I gained so much power the moment that I said to my mom on the phone, I think I'm anorexic. And like I get all teary eyed as I like even think about it. Of course. But um, when I finally admitted it, it was literally like this huge weight came off my shoulders because suddenly, like, there was a reason. There was a reason that I felt broken. There was a reason that I hated myself. There was a reason that like I had no no interest or in anyone or anything. And it's because I was actually like in a cage in my mind. And um you know, and it, it was freeing. And I, I don't know. And group therapy was one of the most amazing freeing things I've ever done wow. to listen to other women. And so it's like, well, some people, it, it was also the most terrifying thing I've ever done to go into that room. And so I was like, you know, some people might not know, they might not have that chance. And so I want to be their group therapy. I think that accepting and acknowledging, it's also taking the shame out of it. Yeah. Right. It's the like secrecy. That's where it the thrives. Secrecy. That's it festers. Mm-hmm. It does. So acknowledging it, surrounding yourself with support, whether it's people who've gone through it personally or not, like kudos to you. I mean, it's yeah. a process. It's really a process. You know, and how you were just saying it, like thrives and festers and secrecy. I've been, you know, I've been going through some stuff lately, which we won't talk about, but it's been interesting to separate myself from the lies in my own head that I tell myself. And the truths and to work through that. And it's funny how if it stays in my own mind, then the lies spin. Yeah. They get out of control and suddenly like it, it spirals and it ruminates. And yeah. the moment you start to speak it, especially to someone, 
it's amazing how your body just knows if you're lying. Mm-hmm. But when it's in your head and it's secret, you can't tell. As soon as you speak it, you can feel the truth. It's so true. And the more you speak it in the circles of like going around about and then coming back and then or even writing it out, like sometimes you write the lie in your head and then you write the truth. But once it gets out of your body, it's amazing how you feel if it's a lie or if it's truth. And I've been doing that lately. I've been writing, this is the lie that I'm telling myself right now about myself. And then I'll start to then write truth. And I'll just journal about what the actual truth is and get to the bottom of it. And I do it over and over again. And it's interesting because it's the same lessons I learned as the anorexic, super sick girl that thought she'd never be happy again. And I've used those lessons in different ways. And it's allowed me to kind of like the America's Got Talent thing. It's allowed me over and over again to be like, I can climb out of this hole. Like, I know I'm strong enough. And I'm grateful for those invaluable lessons as hard as they were to learn. They strengthened your internal tools in a way that can never have been strengthened if you had not gone through those experiences. A hundred percent. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Wow. Then you were on Dancing with the Stars and you're such a a natural performer and you're, I went back and watched like you again because you're such an amazing dancer. Do you ever get nervous of these things or are you just like love it? Like what do you, mentally, how do you kind of, those are huge high stakes performances. Yes. I can't tell you. I don't think. I've ever been more terrified. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I loved Dancing with the Stars. When they come and ask you to do it, say yes. It's such a fun experience. You'll also never work harder in your life. I bet. Like, I bet. it was so hard. Yeah. And like, I remember I was like, I'm a hard worker. This will be fun. You know, no, it was it was beyond. I mean, I was also doing, you know, tours at the same. But anyways, regardless. But I will say there is this feeling as you get onto the dance floor and you're in your fancy dress yes. and you're in your heels and you're just like, I am not, you're like, you know, you're not a ballroom dancer. You know, you're, you're like, I'm not a foxtrot computer. Like, here I am. And, but there, you're dressed the part. You, you know, the, the lights are right. Everything's right, except for you know. Yeah. You're like, I am Bambi in heels right now. And so it's, it's the most, a little bit of imposter syndrome. It's the big, yeah. biggest imposter yeah. syndrome. Luckily, you also know you're allowed to be the imposter yeah. syndrome. But just like, and it, the funny thing about that show is that, and why I think it's so successful is they take, people who are very successful and competent in their craft. You know, like people that are really used to being very good at what they're doing and very confident. And then you throw them in this situation where there's no way to feel confident. Right. And so it's so vulnerable. But yeah, as you stand on the floor and you're with your partner and you hear this, like, you don't hear it on TV, but you hear this click, 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 click to count you into your music. Your mind goes blank. You literally just oh have to God. rely on your body to like do what you've worked your tail off for the last like week to do. And yeah. Anyways, it's a wild experience, but it was so fun, so challenging, and it kind of it's a life changing experience. And anyone who's on it will tell you it kind of teaches you a grit that you forgot you had. I was going to ask you about that because I feel like it sort of requi- requires you to like dig deep and like it's it's so primal. You have to like yes. dig deep and give it your all. Yes. In it such a unique really way. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny because it's like, at the end of the day, you're, you know, my manager would, would try to remind me, like, you're not a ballroom dancer. Like, you're a violinist and you, you know, you should be focused more on your tour. And I, but no, like, <laughs> it becomes everything. Yes. You're like, I'm a ballroom dancer and I must win. Did and- you feel like kind of naked without your violin, like just dancing? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was very grateful that for most of the routines, you know, you have a partner, a partner. to hold on to. So I didn't have to, you know, I'd, I'd have to use my arms. But most of the time I was like, nah, like, I'm just going <laughs> to hold on to you because I'm used to holding on to a violin. Like, um, but yeah, it's, it's the trippiest experience. And it was just, and also I had, 
the best partner. Like it's it's such a bonding experience yeah. for you and this other person that's like your coach, your friend, your partner, your, you know, yes. everything. A recurring theme about you is you really are a light. You oh. you emit a beautiful light and you are sort of vocal about it's very pot. You're very positive. You really are a positive force. You're a positive role model. And how do you stay so positive and illuminated? Oh, that's the yeah. nicest compliment. Thank you. I'm serious. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, I really try to. I, I do a lot for my spirituality, mm-hmm. and I feel like my spirituality's changed a lot from the time I was a kid. I'm I'm still a religious person, but it's turned a lot more into a fluid like religion and spirituality, and just anything from you know. We both share a friend, Lori Risher. Yes, and she introduced me to a world that I'm so grateful for of like um, meditation yes. and breath work. Breath work has changed my life, and just. I felt like it took that little light inside of me that I've always tried to nurture through um, different means, and it just like brightened it. Wow, you know, internally. And so I'm really grateful for breath work, and I don't even understand how, but something about it's connected me more to my body in a way, and made me be more present in a way that um, you know meditation like helped me kind of get a peek at. So that's one thing. Also, gratitude journaling. Yeah. Um, I find I can very easily become a pretty pessimistic person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I kind of get lazy with that practice, I see it start to like sneak back in. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to remember, I need to start writing my gratitude journal again every night, you know, because it's literally a little muscle that just muscle. reminds you every day, you know, at the end of the day, I know I'm going to have to think of three things from that day that I'm grateful for. So your mind starts to just subconsciously throughout the day, notice good. Yeah. And it's, you know, and so you're you're just training your mind. And I'm grateful for these little practices because honestly, I, I am a little bit of a pessimistic person mm-hmm. and I can be pretty negative. And, um, and it, you know, these things change my life and they help me to I don't know, function, be happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm a positive person too, but of course we're human beings. So of yeah. course you're going to have the negative with the positive. And sometimes I'll do like a really positive post. It's actually for myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, like, yeah. I'm actually doing it because I need this little like jolt of positivity. I yeah. may as well share it with people who also need it, you know? Totally. So it's a, it's a, it's a practice. Yeah. It is a practice even po- for positive people. Yeah. Um, it is a practice because we're all human. Absolutely. Doing our best. And I, I just feel like we all kind of probably start in an even playing field and then life starts to happen. And if you don't work to contrast the things that are happening in your life, like life will just happen to you. Yeah. Rather than you like living and driving your life. Absolutely. We've talked about the wild numbers you have with 4 billion views, 27 million followers. You have a best selling book. You know, you've sold millions of albums. You have another tour coming up. I mean, it's pretty in Europe, you know, it's like pretty awesome. What has made you the most proud so far? The most proud so far? Um, Honestly, probably touring, Mm -hmm. you know, the ability because it takes it from, you know, these ambiguous numbers to um, like connecting with people. And like getting to stand on stage and feel this this love and energy, and I abs- I actually love doing my meet and greets before yeah. the show because every day you meet people that came and remind you that this isn't just like oh this is my you know twenty fifth show of the same exact show. It's like oh this is their first time seeing it, and you see the excitement in their eyes, and you get to hear a piece of their story. And like I I love. And then when I step on stage, it helps me to even more so like connect with my audience and connect with my team, my crew, the family that I've, you know, I'm so lucky to have as a part of my tour. Like we've been together for so long. And so I think that just 
the touring world that I get to be a part of, um, you know, makes me so happy. That's so special. It's your people. It's my people. You're filling a room with your people. Yeah. All around the world. Yes. I mean, I can't even imagine. That, that's, that's, that's an accomplishment. And it's fun because also they're all so different. You know, mm-hmm. you look out in the audience and you're just like, um, and sometimes I have this thing happen, not every night, but um, where I get this like intense amount of love that I feel for my fans. Oh. And I look into their eyes and I, as they're like smiling at me and you see just all these different faces of people that are so from all walks of life. And I'm just like, they are so beautiful. Like every single one of these people, like because I, I feel their love and I yeah. feel their like, and so they look so beautiful to me and so special. And it's just like, I mean, to be weird, it's a, a tiny taste of how I feel like God sees us. It's just mm-hmm. like your spirit is so powerful and so beautiful. And I get this like tiny, tiny, tiny taste <laughs> of it. But it happens to me pretty much only when I'm on stage and when I'm performing and connecting with like fans through something that I feel is my gift. Yeah. And and that's probably one of the most like special spiritual feelings that I have ever felt. Oh, well, your lights are connecting. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Let's do deep cuts really oh. fast. Name a song, album, or artist that changed your life. Um, Evanescence, My Immortal. Oh, such a good one. <laughs> such a good one. Does Amy Lee know that how much she you love her? Da- oh, well, we actually toured together. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was just so magical. And yeah, I definitely fangirled and told her. I was like, you know, I showed her like the high school musical that I made or the high school music video I made to her song when I was like 15, you know, like (laughs) with my friends. And, you know, anyways, she's become a really great friend. That's amazing. What was your first concert? Jimmy Eat World. Nice. And the format. Yes. I love the format. That's amazing. (laughs) It was such a good good time. Oh, that's a great show. What is a song that you wish you wrote? A song I wish I wrote? So many. Um, Let's see. Um, Okay. Danny Elfman, um, Ice Dance. I think that's the one. It's the Edward Scissorhands oh. piece where she's like dancing in the like snow of his like. I've listened to that piece more than any other piece of music. It's my calming music. It's my happy. Anyways. <sighs> that's such a that's a good one. I'm going to add it actually to my playlist. What is your favorite movie? Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> what is your favorite meal or cuisine? I'm super simple. I love a hot dog with a ton of mustard. <laughs> Same. Same. I like it with the works. I'm a sauerkraut person. Oh, okay. I throw it all on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's it has a to good be one. like grilled though over a fire or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Like beautifully done. Yeah. It's not nice hot dogs. <laughs> High quality. We're talking yeah. Nathan's, you know? <laughs> what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you? Would they be surprised to learn about me? Um, I've shared a few times from stage and I see such shocked expressions when I talk about how nervous I get and how I've had to deal with stage fright. Wow. Um, you know, and I've gotten really good at learning how to deal with it. But for years, it almost crippled me. And, you know, I think that really shocks people. Do you have like a pre-show ritual or, or mantra? That you I use? do. Um, do we, my dancers, Band and I, we all do breath work together. Okay. And, um, you know, of course, the warm-ups and the stretching and stuff like that. And then we have this like chant that has grown from the time that I did my first show till now. Every tour, something gets added to it. So now it's this long thing that we all do together and it's quite silly and funny. Um, But also, I think almost more important, it's the post-show mindset. 
that has really saved me. And it's that when I get off stage, sometimes you have a bad show. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just are like, that was like that, you know, you may feel embarrassed or whatever it is. And my, sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, they all hated it, you know, whatever. But I am, I've gotten so good at leaving it on the stage. Mm. And because I used to think if I like shamed myself for it and was like, you know, like really honed it in my head that I disappointed people, that that would make me better the next night because it would make me practice harder and it would make me try harder. But it's like, no, I already practice hard. I already try my best every night. And so learning to leave it on the stage and say, okay, I'm sorry, Nebraska, you know, or wherever (laughs) I was, like that was the best I could do tonight. Yeah. But I'm going to leave it here. And sometimes it follows me into the dressing room. But I used to like go into my dressing room and shut the door and cry. And now it's like I leave my door open and and I'm like, all right, we're going to leave it here because some of it followed me into my dressing room mm-hmm. now. And so we're going to leave it here. And and I really try not to get back on my bus or my home for the night, wherever it may be. I really try not to bring any of that onto my home with me. And I no longer let myself close the door and cry. Oh, wow. You have to give yourself grace. Absolutely. You're doing your best. You're a human being. Yes. I, and it's a live show. <laughs> it's a live with show. With a lot of a things very going on. intense live show. Things will happen, you know? And especially, I've realized that if you're going to push yourself and if you're going to try to do things you've never done before, and every tour I like to, I like to come with a yes. show that's a little better than the last one, which means you're taking risks and you're pushing yourself. So it's like, how can you expect to be perfect? If you're perfect, you probably aren't or if I'm perfect, I'm probably not pushing myself. I'm probably not growing. I'm probably phoning it in. Um, so, like, anyways, that's a really long-winded answer for a pre-show ritual. No, but I love that because that's the magic is when you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable place. You know, it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's pushing yourself. Right. You know, as a human being, we all do that. And that's totally. how we grow and that's how we get better. Yeah. So, but I'm glad to hear that because that's a real skill that you have to, to work on. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there words you live by? I'm enough. Simple. I know everybody says it, but I don't think we can say it to ourselves enough because I think we all feel like we don't measure up. We all feel like also we all feel like we're supposed to be extraordinary, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's nothing wrong with like because sometimes I look at the me that's actually me and the me that's in like I come off tour and I always worry about like the me that's normal. Mm-hmm. And like my my life is very normal when I'm home. It's, you know, and I wonder if she's enough. You know, I'm not I'm not dating anyone right now. I, you know, I, I want to have a family. And I, you know, so you sometimes wonder like, is there a reason I don't have that yet? Am I not enough in, in just me? But no, we're all enough and just reminding ourselves of that, you know. Absolutely. You're like a bionic superhero, by the way. <laughs> it's like you are more than enough. I mean, and we all are. You we know? all are. We all are. Like at the end of the day, you have to take away all those bells and whistles. And mm-hmm. that's what you're left with. And that's when you realize like, yeah, it's not the dancing violinist that is worried about being enough. She knows that she's OK. It's the like it's the you. And that's what we all have to face. Right. You know, as a human being, just me right. as a human being, like me, that you know, Goes to the grocery store. Totally. Me that has a, uh, you know, visits my mom. Like that version of me is more than enough. It's more than enough. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time today. I am really a big fan of you as a human being, going back to that. Uh, I think what you've accomplished and continue to accomplish, it's so groundbreaking. Um, I mean, you are one of the most innovative artists and people. So oh, thank, thank you for you. sharing your stories with us, though, because it's uh Sharing your vulnerability with all of us is so, so powerful. So thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Your questions are so good and amazing and just so thought-provoking. So thank you. Oh, thank you.
How special is Lindsay? I just have so much admiration for her talent, her drive, and her commitment to her spirituality and well-being. Such an inspiration on many levels. It is now time for my sound advice, new music you need to know on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist. First up this week is the latest from the multifaceted Atlanta group Hero the Band, who are comprised of the four Barnett brothers. So much talent in one family. They cite artists like the Foo Fighters, Prince, Outkast, Michael Jackson, Queen, and Coldplay as influences. And I have to say, their sound is truly unique to them. This is an artist you need to know. Listen to the latest from Hero the Band, Lullaby. Also this week is Philadelphia band Mannequin Pussy. They recently announced a new album, I Got Heaven, coming next year, and I'm still obsessed with one of their new ones, which has these in-your-face punk verses and then these power-pop choruses with 90s-sounding fuzzy guitars, and I just love that juxtaposition. Check out Mannequin Pussy's song, I Got Heaven. Next is the Grammy-nominated Pittsburgh metalcore band, Code Orange. They recently put out their album, The Above, which definitely shows a more expansive sound for the band. There's a feature from Billy Corgan on one of the songs, but I wanted to feature this one since it might just be the greatest sonic deviation for the band to date. Co-vocalist, guitarist Reba Meyer says, this is actually closer to the songwriting she did when she was younger, and I'm so glad that she returned to her roots because I love this song. Check out Code Orange, Mirror. That's my sound advice this week. Search for the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist wherever you listen to music. Thank you so much, as always, for being part of the Allison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also watch the show on YouTube. I would love to hear from you. So please like, comment, rate, review, whatever you're feeling, and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I'd love to connect with you. Let me know who I should interview next and who I should feature on my sound advice. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star. 